Have you thought about starting your own podcast? Well, if you have, then you want to download Anchor. It's the easiest way that you can make a podcast. They give you everything you need in one place, and it's absolutely for free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere, like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Shut Up and Grind with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. This is episode number 161. That's right, we're in the 160s now. Absolutely amazing. If you are new to the show, if you're joining me over on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share, because don't keep this great information to yourself. So we're all about overcoming obstacles, and I bring guests on from all over the world. I've had guests in six different continents and 28 different countries. And we go through their backstories and let them, and and, uh, wait, sorry, and we relate to you if there's anything that you have going on in your life that you might be struggling with, and maybe my stories and my guest stories can help move you to, to get out of the place where you are. And if you have no idea who I am, let me introduce myself. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front of of others, like outside of the gym setting and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again. And all that stuff, I was like, you know what? Like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your work. All right, so before I bring on my guests, you know, we have to do the teachable moment of the day. And so I'm actually going to repeat one that I did last week. And it's going to be about defining yourself. Because I find that even on this show, when you guys know, I ask the guests always who is so-and-so and and just for them to to describe themselves. And as I go out and about just in everyday life, I ask people to describe themselves and so many people can't do it. (laughs) They they can't do it. It's because you're attaching yourself to your career. You're attaching yourself to your, your spouse. Or, or significant other, but but you're attaching it to something other than just you. It's like, who are you? What makes you tick? What do you want out of this life? And once you can answer that question, 
you're going to find you're going to become a much better communicator. You're going to have a lot more vision as to what it is you want to accomplish in this life. And then the last one is what do you want to leave behind? So right now, say this is episode number 161. So if nothing else, I have 161 episodes of inspiration that can stay behind once my time on this earth is gone. And the question is, who are you and what do you want to leave behind? So take some time and answer those questions. And now let's get to my guest. So who is my guest, you ask? He is a 21-year combat veteran that served four tours in Iraq and one in Afghanistan for the U.S. Army. He's authored two books. He's a mental health advocate and a motivational speaker that's empowered thousands by helping them reach their personal and professional goals. Help me welcome Sylvester Jenkins III. Good morning. Good morning, Robert. How you doing, man? I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. Glad, glad to have you. And I'm always good. Always. So where are you joining us from? I'm joining you from Clarksville, Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee. Would you believe I know where that is? <laughs> Many people don't, but they always know. <laughs> but they know of uh, Fort Campbell, Kentucky. So I'm right outside of Fort Campbell. Yeah, I did. I did the Spartan race there in 2019. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I stayed. I stayed in Clarksville for those for those couple days, and I actually met met a friend that I still communicate with now. That, nice. Uh, yeah, I met them at the race. So good stuff. Small world, huh? Yeah, very small. <laughs> All right. So, where were you originally from? So, I'm originally from Columbus, Georgia. Columbus, Georgia. Okay. And what, what brought you to Clarksville? Uh, the military. Uh, you know, I did uh, 21 years of service in the military, and I retired from Fort Campbell. So, uh, the cost of living was cheap. The area was nice. So, we decided to just sink that anchor here. Nice. Good, good. Have you done that, that Spartan race over there? No, I haven't done that Spartan race. Uh, you know, too occupied with the military and all their obligations, yeah. so I never had the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, it was it, it was nice. Although I, I will say the base is totally in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like if we were driving there, I didn't even know if we were in the right spot. <laughs> right. I, I was like, I haven't seen anything for like five miles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but man, then, it's do that. Yeah, but then once you get there, it um once you get there, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Like beautiful. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was nice, nice course to, uh, nice course to run. All right, so ready to dive in? Absolutely. All right, so let's get to know you better. So who is Sylvester? Uh, Sylvester Jenkins is uh, God's greatest form of creation. I am a uh, a husband. I'm a father of four beautiful kids. I'm a, uh, a author, motivational speaker, a mental health advocate. I'm a combat veteran. I can go on and on about the list of things that I'm capable of doing, but it's all through the will and power of God. So I would say I'm his greatest form of creation. I love that. I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Thanks. Right, so for, for your kids, you got boys, girls? Uh, so I got three boys, one girl, 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 9-year-old, and a 4-year-old. Three boys and one girl. You're almost right there with me. I have three boys, two girls. Okay. <laughs> Good, good stuff. So, how how old were you when you became a father? Uh, so I was 27, 27 years old when I became a father. Okay, and so your baby's born. What what kind of changes did that make in you? Oh wow, man! So you know, um, for me during the time frame of my first child being born, man, I was um I was deployed. I was in Iraq during that time. So, uh, but I knew it was a a pivotal moment for me, man, due to the fact that uh I grew up 
without my father. You know, so I never had that presence of a male figure in my life. So as far as now, I had the, the obligation to uh, change the narrative as far as who I was and who I grew up to be. I love that. The obligation to change the narrative that is going to come up again. Because I absolutely love it. Because, again, you know, the, the, the name of the show is Shut Up and Grind. Right. right. So it's about it's about making stuff stuff happen. And too, too many times, even in the fitness world. When people come come to me, they think I'm just gonna give them some magic pill and body fat just gonna melt <laughs> off of them. And and I I say almost the same thing. I, I say you have to commit to change. Absolutely. Like if, like if you don't commit to change, you're not gonna change. Yep. You know. So I just love how how you took it a step fur- further and said obligation. You know that's powerful. Right. It's powerful. So what what was life like growing up without your father? Uh, so you know I grew up in a single parent home, uh, gang and drug infested neighborhood multiple siblings but just for me it was a it was a, a rough road because i dealt with masculinity uh not knowing masculinity identity issues emotional detachment uh just so many things uh loneliness depression just trying to find my way and just find my path and my purpose so i i dealt with so many things during my uh childhood and also teenage years because i think it affected me during uh school just my behavior, how I conducted myself, because I never seen my work. I never seen my value. Okay. And so did, did that take you down, down a dark path? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I failed multiple times in school. I feel, man, like I failed the fourth grade, sixth grade, eighth grade, 10th grade, 10th grade, summer school, and the 12th grade. Uh, at least you're consistent. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> something, right? That's <laughs> something. And uh, I never felt like I was college material at all. I had a teacher tell me one time that uh, uh, that I wasn't college material. She told me flat out, like, I don't think you're college material. I don't think you. She was pretty much telling me I wasn't worthy enough or smart enough to go to college. Wow. All right. So you said you were in a in a gang infested area. Did you get yeah. consumed into that? Absolutely. I did. Uh, so my mother, she worked uh, tooth and nail. She was working 12 hour days. So a lot of times when I came home, she was gone. So it's just easy for me to just get involved in the street life and then also get involved with uh, drugs and alcohol in the process of that. Okay. And, and what ages was that? Uh, that was between the ages of 14 and 16. 14 to 16. All right. And then how did you... How'd you get out? Uh, so the way I got out was during the time of my mother going through all those things. She had got remarried and um, she got into a uh, got pregnant, got pregnant with my little brother. And when she got pregnant with my little brother, I seen a shift as far as what I needed to do, because due to the fact of the environment that we was growing up in, my uh, my stepfather at the time, he was I felt like he was just another child in the house. I felt like he wasn't, you know, really present. I don't think he was uh, portraying that image of what a man should be because my mother was still working. He was still at the house, just um, just at his own leisure, drinking, smoking, watching TV, flipping channels, whatever you want to call it. But we was there majority of the time just watching each other. <laughs> wow. OK, so so now you're, you're coming towards the end of school. Right. So I'm, so I'm assuming you graduated. Absolutely. Summer school, but I graduated. Hey, as long as you got there, right? The diploma's a diploma. Right. <laughs> so, all right. So did, did you go to college immediately? No, I didn't go to college immediately. Like I said before, um, the teacher had told me that I wasn't college material. And just due to the fact of how I grew up and 
me not already seeing my value or my worth. I just took into consideration what she said because your words create worlds. So I immediately thought I wasn't worthy enough to go to school. I'm over here trying try to scribble them all down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So now talk, talk about I never saw my value because this is something that I deal with daily, right. daily with people. Like people just feel like they are less than. So right. How, how did that feeling affect you? Uh, so, I mean, you, you got to understand that your, your perception affects your performance. And when you see yourself at a, at a certain level of not being worthy enough to uh, encounter certain things, like when you start to blame other individuals for your certain circumstances that you deal with, like I thought rich people was actually people that was like born with those, with that wealth. Mm -hmm. But in all actuality, you can earn it too. But I didn't see it like that. So I thought the environment that we grew up in, I thought, just uh, just seeing me not having a father, experiencing some of the things I did as a child, I just felt like I wasn't worthy enough to receive any of those things. I felt like I didn't have what it took in order to be able to gain or have any of those things that uh, I seen other people with. So now what role do you think society plays in young black black men feeling that way? Because, mm. because I, I, because you, you see it a lot about, about there's no opportunities and you got to play so many steps behind and this and that. Like, does what kind of role do you think that plays? Uh, I think it's a a huge role that society plays in that. I think uh, just over the years, it's for us. Like, um, you got to think about where where our ancestors started at. Yeah, and then you think about like how they were in a cage for so long and not able to shine or show their greatness when it came to who they were as black men and women. And in the process of them going through all those trials and tribulations or trying to fight and be on top just to have their own, it was always taken from them. So once it's just like an elephant with, with that small chain on them. Why does an elephant stays with that small chain on them when they're strong enough to break free? It's so so true. I I love that example. I typically use like a like a tiger. You know, right. at, at the circus they got the tigers jumping through the little hoops and everything. Right. Like that tiger doesn't realize it can whoop every single one of them. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's because it's conditioned to think that it's less than. Exactly. You know, so once people realize, wait a minute, I can do this. Yep. You know, that's when everything changes. But so how did how did you go from not seeing your value to finally seeing that, you know what, I can, I can be something. Oh, well, that took multiple years. I'll be honest with you because yeah. when I joined the military, I didn't join to, to serve my country. Yeah. I joined for a, a, a new way of life and just to find my purpose. Yeah. But going down that, uh, that journey of being in the military, I slowly but surely started to realize that, I, you know, like I said before, the obligation, that I had. And it was um wasn't until my third deployment to Iraq that I realized that I was capable and able to be who I was supposed to be as a leader. And because I felt like I was a follower that transitioned into a manager for like the first eight years of my military career. Okay. And, you know, there is a difference between a leader and a manager, a, mm -hmm. a huge difference between yep. the two. But um, in the process of me getting ready to go on this deployment to Iraq, um, that was uh, one of my soldiers who had introduced me to his family, his wife, his kids, his mother, and his father. And as we're standing there talking and he's saying all these great things about me, I'm just standing there in amazement because I didn't know I impacted and influenced him in this manner. 
And so when his mother pulled me to the side and she told me, she was like, hey, please take care of my son and to bring her back home safe. I was like, man, she just gave me trust, like mm -hmm. right down the spot. She don't know me from a can of paint. Mm -hmm. And she just trusted me with her child that she raised, that she gave birth to and said, please bring him back home safe. Like she's bestowing this obligation on me and saying like, hey, I trust you enough that you'll do the right thing for my child because he speaks so highly of you. And that just like lit a fire in me right then and there. And it just continued to escalate over time and evolve. And then I get to the point that I am today. I love that story. I love it. We're, we're going to get right back to that deployment. I want to share quickly. When I started my fitness journey, you know, I started, well, I started in, in the spare bedroom of, of my house, but then I moved into my garage and it wasn't one of them fancy gym garages, you know, it was right. like, it's like ghetto windows broken, like that, right. kind of, that kind of stuff. So, and Remember one of my when my clients comes up to me, I was only charging fifty bucks a month at the time because I didn't know any better. And she comes over to hand me hand me the check, and she's like, "Before I give this to you, she's like, I want you to know that there's a brand new state of the art Planet Fitness that's two minutes from my house." She's like, "But I'm gonna pay you five times the amount because you taught me to believe in myself again." Mm. And that's that's, that's what I realized. Like this has nothing to do with losing weight. This has nothing to do with building muscle. It's right. Like, those are those are byproducts. Right. You know, it's like those are byproducts of people fixing their relationship with themselves. You know, and so mm -hmm. once that reality hit me, that's when my obligation came. It's like I, like I have to step into this. Right. It's like it's like how many more people feel like this? See, I think too many times we don't realize the impact that we have on others mm -hmm. it's like it's something we could just take for granted because this is what i do every day you know no no big deal but then people move away and the messaging like i had someone who left me 10 years ago left my gym 10 years ago and she still messages me saying i haven't found anything like what what you had up there wow. and it's like wow and like that's that's when this thing is just bigger than just you know getting on a scale and liking your results love it all right so you're in the military now. So mm -hmm. when, when you get the first orders that you have to deploy, deploy to Iraq, what were your first thoughts? I didn't want to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, just honestly, it was a sense of fear. It was a yeah. sense of uh, the unknown. It was a sense of not knowing whether I'll come back home or not. Am I going to make it? It was always, you know, that, that sense of doubt, like, Am I able to go over here and do what I'm supposed to do? It's, it's, it's multiple levels that you feel initially when you get those orders and you be like, man, it's here. And as time start winding down until you get ready to board that plane, it's just like, man, how much time do I have left? So you're trying to do everything that you can do that you said you, you didn't uh, either that you always wanted to do and you don't have enough time. Yeah. So, you know, you that's something that you can never get back. The people that you want to spend time with, the people that you want to communicate with, telling people I love you because you don't know if you'll ever see them again, spending that time with your kids, all those things, man. Like all those things just hit you at one time and you don't know how to react to some of that stuff, man. It just gives you a sense of anxiety, to be honest with you. Yeah. Wow. I bet. I mean, because no one's promised tomorrow. I mean, right. No, no one is. But when you're going over to what I'm assuming was a hostile environment, absolutely, must have made that twice as real. Absolutely, absolutely. As soon as you touch ground in Iraq, you're in a hostile environment, and you got to think um, 
during the time of me going on these deployments, it was a um, 12 month deployments. Okay. It was 365 days. Yeah. So you think every day you can lose your life every day. Now, people back in, 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 the, in the States, you have like what, uh, 25 to 45% chance of losing your life, not even that high of a rate. Mm -hmm. But when you're in this type of environment, you can die at any moment. You can die any day. You never know. There's wow. always that possibility. Wow. So what what job, like what, what was the mission of your group that got deployed? So I was in uh, aviation at the time. I was in the aviation unit at the time. And then uh, during the during us being over there, we was transporting troops that couldn't able to, uh, that wasn't able to move by, by land. So anytime that something occurred, happened or transpired, we would, you know, drop in in order to uh, take them from point A to point B. And then also just shoot fire down range in case they also call for airstrike. Mm, boy. So what, what was that like? So, uh, so it, I had a combination between, actually being uh, on convoys and then actually being uh, in, in the air. So um, from the convoy experience, you know, you can get hit by small on fire. You can get hit by uh, IEDs and then have to go out on that same road like the following week. So crazy part about that is that like, man, if we got hit by this this day or we lost this person on this day, like what's the chances of me having to be that person, that next person? this following time or you know you flying in an aircraft and you it can possibly crash or you know are uh, you bringing on soldiers that wounded uh you know possibly are, are on the verge of losing their life it's it's one thing after another so uh it's just so many things that uh that transpired throughout the time of being deployed man like you can be sitting down eating at a defect with one of your your friends one day and then be going to their memorial service the next day Wow. And, and you got to deal with this for the rest of your life. You don't have an opportunity to really process the pain. You don't have an opportunity to process the hurt because if you try to show your emotion at any point in time, it could possibly get you killed. Yeah. Wow. The stress of that is amazing. All right. So without, without bringing politics into it. So after serving in Afghanistan, how did it make you feel how things ended over there? Mm, uh, I think we could have did more. Yeah. I would just say that much. I think we could have did more. Uh, I was, I was kind of devastated behind the actions that were taken behind that situation. Um, not to go uh, too far in depth because I really don't like to speak about the politic area, but yeah, I, I, I just thought it could have been handled in a totally different manner. It wasn't no reason why we should have lost those soldiers. I'll be honest with you. It, that's just, it was heartfelt. You know, I, I totally felt that for not only those soldiers, but their families, for a circumstance that was, man, it was, man, that's, that's a, uh, I, I can, I feel that now, man. Like, I really feel that, that situation now. Yeah. So this is, this is even a bigger part of the whole small world thing. Do you know Jessica Lunsford? Jessica Lunsford. No, name sound familiar, but I probably have to see their face. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because she's she's in the army. She and, and her husband both, and they they were both over there at Fort Campbell. Okay. So I, I wonder if you guys if you guys ever cross paths. No. Yeah, I, go ahead. No, I think uh, you know, the army is 
is big but small yeah. at the same time but uh never encountered any that anybody by that name okay yeah i should uh should i connect connect you guys like, like i said because they're, they're out there in clocksville too <laughs> oh nice nice all right yeah so from from there because like i brought i brought her up because when everything was unfolding there she had texted me and just we're just talking about all the positive things that were going on right that, that the u.s soldiers were, were doing in right and um along with the afghan troops and then you get the people who are non-military just talking so much trash about well, we've been over there for 20 years and haven't accomplished anything it's like mm-hmm. like what do, what do you say to those people when you are actually over there putting in work yeah so i mean just for anybody who has never experienced or served over there there are troops doing everything in their power to serve a situation that they've been called to do they sign that paper they sign that dotted line and they're fulfilling their obligation as far as what they should do as far as serving this country by any means necessary they don't see the sleepless hours that they get the sleepless nights they don't see the grind that they go through on a day-to-day basis as far as uh, just trying to complete the mission any way possible just get it done just shut up and grind that's exactly what they do any day that they're over there and for people to feel as though there's nothing being accomplished. There's multiple things being accomplished because you got to think at one point we was actually in the middle of an actual fight with these individuals. And then to go to a point where we was able to actually help them, because I believe everybody is put on this earth to serve. And if we continue to go down this rabbit hole of thinking that we got to show everybody that we're the best. We're we're on top. We're you know, we're America and all this stuff instead of just trying to uh, help other people to see or to stop what, what's been going on for multiple years, just just like I said before, change the narrative. Then we'll continue to go down this path for multiple wars, multiple combat, you know. So, but I think, but me personally, I think the situation, like I said, that occurred um, this year dealing with the Afghan troops, man, it was uh, unnecessary as far as what happened to them. And it was very tragic. All right, well, thank you for sharing all that. And thank you for your service, of course. Thank you, I greatly appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. So when did you start switching gears into speaking and serving and being a mental health advocate? Oh, man. So everything transpired for me in uh, 2019. So um, prior to all these things going on, man, I excuse me. I I noticed that I had uh, a level of of wisdom when it came to adversity. Uh, Like I said, from my childhood, during my time in the military, like um, I, I suffered so many significant uh, trials and tribulations. I went through a, a, a divorce, a, a, a powerful divorce during the time frame of me being in the military uh, while I was deployed. So you think about oh, like wow. combat, going through a divorce, coming back home to nothing, car was gone, empty house, bank account on empty, had a big wow. E on it. So you think about all these things coming back and then for me to be where I am today, why wouldn't I be able to try and help somebody else get out of those situations? Because my whole goal is to empower lives in order to thrive and not just survive. And that's a lot of things that we do as human beings because we're on autopilot for so long that we don't even take the time to smell the roses and realize that the greatness that we have inside of us. Yes, I love, love that. I say on this show constantly, it's not what happens to you. It's what lessons can you pluck out of what happened to you 
and help someone else. Absolutely. Like, like you, you, you almost said it word for word. I say it all the time. It's like, okay, you went through a bad, bad divorce. What lessons are there? What, what did you learn? You know, like how did you cope with coming home to an empty house? Like there's just so many ways we can unpack that story and take those life lessons and help someone else going through it. Like I'm in a, a group on Facebook for divorced dads right. and people are just bashing their exes and bashing their exes and bashing their exes. And I'm like, all right, what role did you play? Right. Like, how could you have been a better husband? Like, right. How could you have been a better father? Like, right. you know, and, and fight for your rights. Right. So, so many of them just give up. I mean, I know we, we can do an entire, an entire episode, episode on, on, on yeah. divorce, but but it's like you do have rights, you know. It's like you don't have to just give up, you know. And right. but, but like this group, it's just all woe is me. Right. So so I just try to bring some light in there. Said, look, if you if you point that light inward, mm-hmm. right, fix you. Right. T- take the lessons from your experience, and you empower other people. Like your life is going to change drastically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I for me, I. Uh learned or developed the skill of resilience because you know that's the ability to bounce back from adversity and um just in that in that aspect there's so many people who think you got to be born with this trait but no it's something that can be learned just like leadership and finance and i know and i realize that there are certain things you can't control and i know that life is 10 percent of what happens to you and 90 percent about what you do about it and when i realized this thing of resilience I just started to use it in everything that I did because I, I, I understood that I couldn't control my spouse as far as her decision as wanting to um, end our relationship. I couldn't control the environment or the situation that I was in when it came to me being deployed. These are things that I signed off on. The only person that I could control was me. And I had to do everything in my power to change my mindset, my attitude, and just the actions that I took in order to fulfill the requirement to make me better. See, and... You just said it too about realize, you know, like you were saying, people have to be, people don't have to be born with it. It can be learned along the way. And I just say it's, it's already there. People, right. people just have to realize that it's there. Right. So I was just, you know, and, and I also, be, I, I believe in, in the law of attraction. So there's one of my fitness friends, she was doing an IG live and I can usually never catch hers because I'm usually training while she's doing it. Mm-hmm. And so this one particular day I had a cancellation. I get the notification on my phone. So it's like, man, let's see what coach has, has to say. And the woman she was interviewing, she's here in, in Rhode Island. She's 32, I think. She's young, but she survived a heart attack and a stroke. Mm. <laughs> and so as I'm listening to her tell her story, I was like, she is glossing over so many details. Like, <laughs> well, well, because I, I help people create create stories as well. Right. You know, and so I'm listening to it. Then I, I reached out to her, just randomly introduced myself. And I was like, I would like to connect with you on Zoom and just, just talk to you more. Right. And so I was just letting her see. I was like, you know, by you getting deeper and more vulnerable into your story, I said, you're going to open up a whole bunch of doors that you didn't know was there. Right. And, and she's now the face in this area anyway for the American Heart Association. Wow. You know, it's like she didn't have to learn any new skills. She right. just had to take her story and just expand it. Right. And, and anyone can do it because everybody has life experience. Exactly. But but going back to what we were saying earlier about people not seeing their worth. Right. They don't think their stories are strong enough. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and as a speaker, you know that's so far from the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody got some story that they can help somebody see their way, find their path, see their light, know exactly the purpose that they have into them. And I feel like uh, for me, adversity is the fuel of greatness, because if you never experience these hardships, these trials and tribulations, then you wouldn't be able to be the person that you are today. You wouldn't be able to reach the people that you can at this point. You have to find purpose in your pain or you have to find or you got to take your power back. Yes. Love that. Find purpose in your pain. Love it. And you saw in my intro video where it talked about being told I would never want to jump again. Mm-hmm. And, and w- without getting into that, I, I had a choice, right? I had a choice to make when I heard those words is I could have just let that define my future. Right. Or I could get to work to, to defy it. Yep. You know, so if I let it define me, and define my future, then the injury wins. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, so I was I was like, no, absolutely not. Like I heard it doing a high jump. Right. At 34 year, years old. And so it took it took me seven years, but I got back on the track. I mean, like I, I ran again in five months. Right. But and I, like and I was able to, to do th- things again sooner, but I had it in my head. Like I was afraid to high jump again. Mm-hmm. And then just one day it hit me. I was like, you know, if if I do this, you know, just uh, emphasize on what you just said, like you have to face fear. Like that's how you build courage is you yep. have to face it. So it's like if I step out on that track and then it's like, what if it breaks again? Then I'm going to be called a dumbass. <laughs> I was like, yeah. but if I get out there if, and it's successful, now the comeback is complete. That's it. You know, and so I got out there, I ran, I jumped, I actually won. And I, I've i been undefeated since since 2016. <laughs> you know, wow. it's like and I just go back to that moment is because in that moment, I made a choice. Right. That I don't accept your diagnosis. Right. <laughs> I was right. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't accept it. So I've seen people told that they have six months to die. And 10 years later, they're still here. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, so. I'm going to be in charge if I run or jump again. Absolutely. And I just went to work. Off we go. Absolutely. That's that's it, man. Like uh, you you made a, a, a conscious decision that I'm going to beat whatever, you know, whatever fears that I have in order to be what I, you know, what I strive to be. Like you didn't get off that high horse. You remained in that uh, what I call the 3D effect. And the 3D effect is the ability to be three dimensional by using dedication, determination and discipline. Love it. Love those three. Yeah, it's like I, I have my own three. I, I always say you just need vision, you need drive, and you need perseverance. Right. You know, so pretty much the same thing. Oh, pretty much the same thing, <laughs> man. Like, but either way it goes, like all, all people got to do is just make that conscious decision. You wake up every morning, you have two things. You have a chance and a choice. And all yes. you got to do is make that decision in order to accomplish those things that you put yourself if it's planted in your brain you can accomplish it it's not just placed there for you to just sit on it and just be like oh that sounds pretty good maybe i'll do it someday in my life no that's a put in your brain so you can take action and make it come true and make it reality yes love it love it all right so you wrote two books so what what was your motivation for the first one so my motivation for my books were just um just really trying to inspire everybody else. I wanted to create uh, resilient leaders that triumph in life. 
And I knew one of the ways that I could do that was by putting it in, in a book because I can't reach everybody face to face like we're talking right now. We have social media and people might share your stuff and you might get out there. But I know through a book, I will continue to, to live on and I will continue to help people even when I transpire from this earth. Yes. Yeah, that goes back to what I was saying in my teachable moment. What do you want to leave behind? Right. You know, because I think a lot of people don't think about that till it's too late. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like they, I don't read. I don't remember the the, the magazine, but someone um, they interviewed. I think it was like a hundred people that were pretty much terminal. Right. And all of them just had regrets about just not not pursuing their true passion. Right. You no, know, that was the number one regret. Number one regret. And you know, it's because we're told, you know, it's like after college, you get a job, you work fifty years, you retire. And then you wait to die. And then, you know, you get told once you have kids, all of your goals go on the back burner. Right. And and that's that's the worst possible message to give people. <laughs> it really is like I told I told my daughter, like my kids are mi they're mixed race. Like I'm half black, half half Puerto Rican, and their their mom's white. So they're white, black, and Puerto Rican. <laughs> right. And so so I told my daughter, I was like, you know, you're a mixed race female. Mm -hmm. I said, and none of that matters. I said, people out there are going to try to tell you it matters. It doesn't matter. Right. I said, remember, vision, drive, perseverance. Right. So decide what you want, want to become, what you want your life to look like. Go do it. Crush every obstacle in your path, and you go make it happen. Right. You know, it's like, that's the message I wish we would were, we were given to younger kids. Right. Absolutely. That, that's, that's my main focus. The youth and young adults is my focus as far as uh, helping them become, you know, those resilient leaders, because I feel like uh, I think Frederick Douglass said it best. It's uh, easier to build children than it is to build broken men. Yes. Yes. Love that quote. Yeah. And another one I use, I use it in the beginning. I have a speech that, that I wrote called Becoming Who You Are Meant to Be. Mm -hmm. In the first slide, it says children will naturally reach their potential if it wasn't for adult interference <laughs> which which is so true oh you'll never be able to do that oh right. you're, you're living in a fantasy world and right and and adults do it to it to each other absolutely, adults absolutely. Do it to each other all the time when, when i first decided i wasn't going to manage restaurants anymore this was in 2009 you know we were in a recession and everyone's like you're starting a business now like you don't even have a college degree and you don't this and you you don't that i was like right. yeah but you know what i'm really good at getting people to follow my lead right <laughs> I was like, i'm really good at that I'm really good good at connecting with people said so if i connect with people doors are going to open kind of right. like that's I, it. I told yeah kind of like i told the the, uh, the woman on that zoom i was like you know you dig deep into your story and doors are going to open but the problem is is everyone's busy Everyone's busy, 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 mm -hmm. busy. And then opportunities arise and they don't see them because right. they're, they're, they're too busy being busy. Right. And it's like when I first started speaking, you know, you get that that imposter syndrome. You know, it's like, oh, uh, you know, are people going to want to hear me? Like, have I been yeah. doing this enough? You got Tony Robbins and Gary Vee and Eric, <laughs> Eric Thomas and Les Brown. Les Brown, yeah. Like, who the hell's going to listen to me? But then once you realize there's people out there that need to hear it just like you can say it right you know right it's like people have to understand that and like i said earlier you know i've had 
I've had um 28 different countries that listen to this podcast. I actually got got some stats. I think in Indonesia, my podcast is ranked 19th. I want to say wow. in, the, in the self-help in Indonesia. Yeah. <laughs> you know? so, so it's like it's just, just a matter of putting out your message and the right people will gravitate to your message. Absolutely. Yeah. Like once we understand we don't have to motivate all 7 billion people. Right. We just have to carve out our niche. And yeah. That's where your your success lies. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So in your in your books, like what's give me one key takeaway. One key takeaway. Uh, so for my book, Winning the Battle Within, uh, is is basically speaking on resilience, growth mindset, and character. Right. So you can't win the war in the world if you can't win the battle on your mind. Plain and Love simple. It. So this is a. a uh, a short read, a self-help guide in order to put you on that next level in order for you to feel, fulfill your purpose. So now what's your definition of the next level? So I think there's no such thing as the top. Yeah. I think at, once you reach a certain uh, point in your life, you always got to continue to grow. So you will never reach. You, I mean, like, so there's different levels, just like any video game, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. you keep on going until you reach the end, but you don't know when the end is. You never know. You just keep going to a higher level. And every time you go to a different stage, the bosses get harder, which means the challenges are going to get stronger and you're going to have to face different opponents along that journey. Yeah. And so. A lot of times when people say next level, they're thinking about like the elites. Yeah. You know? but, they're like, oh, oh mm -hmm. no, I ain't ready for that level. No, 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 no. You're no you're, level. yeah, that's it. Yes, that that's the part that it's like, it's like we're not trying to train you for that. Like no. someone was asking me the other day about half marathon training. And they're like, Do I have to do all of this stuff? I, I said, Are you training to win it? <laughs> and they're like, uh, right. no, I just want to finish. And no, you don't have to put your body through all of that if your goal is to just finish. Right. Because especially if you're not a runner, you can't just download the first half marathon training program you find online and just start doing it. Like it, right. it doesn't work that way. You're going to hurt your ankles. Right. You're probably, you're probably going to overload overload your hip flexors. You might right. tear up your back. Like things, things like that happen. I said, no, if you want to do one, do one. Get some running in. Power walk. Pile walk some if you have to. Right. Get to the finish line and then the next couple of days see how you feel. Right. <laughs> and then right. wherever you're the most sore, strength train first. Then ease in the running. It's, right. It's like that's an example of next level. Like start where you are now. Absolutely. Like, like you don't have to go from where you are now to running a sub two hour half marathon. Absolutely. <laughs> like that, that's not next level. <laughs> Absolutely. I think uh, who it was, uh, Jim Ron. Jim Ron said, like, uh, somebody had asked him if he can do 100 push-ups. And he was like, yeah, I could do 100 push-ups. Then he was like, okay, do them. And so he said he did 10, took a break. Did another 10, took a break. Mm -hmm. So small steps equal great distances. So yeah. regardless of how you start, just remember that you're further than where you were before. So as long as you keep going down that path and you're just putting forth the effort in order to achieve that 100, Guess what? You'll eventually get there. And once you get there, it'll build your confidence enough to the point where you build that momentum to be able to build that strength in order to do them consistently. Yes. So you used the word, word a couple of times already, resilience. What does that word mean to you? Uh, resilience means being the tennis ball and not the egg. Mm. That, it means bouncing back. You know, like if you drop an egg on the ground, it's going to shatter. It's going to break. You yeah. drop a tennis ball on the ground, it's going to bounce right back. 
So I look at resilience as like um, whenever you go into combat, you just don't go into combat with just your uh, your uniform on. You have on a, a cavalier, you have on a vest, you have your weapon, you have your eye protection, your gloves. You have all these things to be um, to prevent you from feeling the full impact or damage of anything that might you that any adversity that you might face, because we all know adversity is inevitable. It's something that we're going to face. I always tell people to look at uh, resilience as the shock absorbers on your car, because if you take them off and you hit a pothole, it's going to be excruciating. It's going to be painful. You're going to feel the full impact of that. But if you got those shock absorbers on, you're still going to hit that bump. You're still going to hit that pothole. But at the same time, it won't be as bad. And you'll be able to push through. You'll be able to go through and make it to that next point that you need to get to. Love it. And so where does resilience start for you? So resilience starts for me as far as just in your day-to-day life. Uh, when you wake up in the morning, uh, when you wake up in the morning, you should already be thankful. Just having an attitude of gratitude because you're able to have another day of life. You're able to experience the things that you um, uh, that you can realize in, in the matter of, or in the blink of an eye. Like I open my eyes. I'm able to see you right now. I should be thankful for that. That's some people that don't have their sight. Yes. The, my mobility to be able to go out here and work out exercise. I should be grateful for that to breathe this air that I breathe. I should be thankful for that. And then just, to, you know, just to experience life itself. I got another chance to be better than I was yesterday. That one percent. All it takes is 15 minutes of your day to be to have an attitude of gratitude and be better than you were yesterday. Love it. I always say try to try to take time to have one proud moment of, of the day. Just, 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 one. just, just something to, to like, you know what? That's awesome. Like every time, <laughs> like every time I see, I see an airplane, I, I still get just blown away that we can fly. Right. You know, blown away. But then you go to the airport and people are miserable. Right. <laughs> it's, it's like, are you aware in about 10 hours you're going to be in China? <laughs> it's like, like that, that would have taken five months, Absolutely. <laughs> you know, a couple hundred years ago. Right. <laughs> it's like, you can do it in a matter of hours. Right. You know, but just to add on to that, mine is to just accept where you are, you know, accept where you are and stop beating yourself, yourself up over things you think you can't change. Right. I had, I had surgery on my elbow. This was last year and it was my seventh surgery. So I've got some experience with these surgeries, but so two months prior, maybe six weeks prior to the surgery, I started doing everything left-handed. Cause I'm right-handed. Mm. Right? So I started doing everything left-handed from like throwing the football with the kids, shooting baskets, you know, shaving, brushing my teeth, <laughs> you know, like things, right. th- things that, that you wouldn't think would be a challenge. Cause I've been doing it this way for, you know, 47. Now I started shaving my head, I think at 27. So <laughs> for two decades, I've been doing it with my right, right. hand. So with the left hand, it was a little awkward at first, Right. but, but I took those six weeks to build up my left side. Nice. So, so when the surgery happened, I didn't miss a beat in my life. I was signing things left left-handed. So so I took the shortcoming and then made strong what I needed to make stronger. Yes. So that so my life didn't really change any. You know, and just too right. many times we focus on whatever the injury is or the disability or, or whatever the obstacle is. Right. We want to use that as, as an excuse. Oh the oh the doctor said I can't work out for six weeks. I said, no, no, no. The doctor said I can't stress right here for six weeks. Right. That ain't got nothing. To do. I can still hike. Right. I can still, still, still go in into the pool. I just can't get it wet. 
right. know, I'm like, there's so many other ways I can still get exercise. Like, this, this isn't a free pass to sit on my butt and do do nothing. Right. But, but too many times people take that route. Yeah. And, and that was a big reason for the title of this show and my eventual upcoming book is once people just cut the crap and just put the work in. Mm-hmm. Again, I know I said it a couple of times already, but then the opportunities are endless. Absolutely. Absolutely. The opportunities are endless, man. I just feel like uh, a lot of people just need somebody. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is uh, to just, you know, saying do the best they can to believe in them and bring it out of them. And like you're one of those individuals, you brought me- multiple people to a level of greatness that they never seen in, in themselves. And as long as I feel as long as we continue to pour into people and do things like this right here or go out and speak to people on, on a multiple level that it'll continue to flourish and grow and become greater than what they are today. Yeah. And you just nailed it right there. I always tell people the first step is it's not about you. No, you at know, all. It's not about you. It's about who can you impact? Yep. Okay. I went through this. What lessons are here? Like I, my, my son just fixed my car the other day. I was backing out. And the ball joint broke. Just <laughs> and so I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> and so you know, I call him, and you know, we get it towed, towed to, to his dealership. And so I had had to go a day, day and a half without without my car. But it's right. like, all right. So we get we get through this, and it's easy to just be mad and whatever. But I heard it making noise for weeks. Right. And I didn't address it. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like instead of being being mad at the world, it's like no, it's on me. And even as I was leaving the gym, it was raining a little bit yet yesterday, but I still walked walked home. Even though some of my clients were like, "Do you want to ride?" I was like, "No." Like I got myself in into this. I'll I'll pay the price for it. Right. And I was like, "I'm not gonna gonna displace you guys from your routine because of my carelessness. Like this right. happened because of my carelessness." Right. And I walked the four and a half miles home in the rain. Right. So, but just in that moment, it's like, you know what? It's like you, you could have stopped this weeks ago. Right. Weeks ago. But no, you ignored it. You ignored it. You ignored it. Now that it broke, I, I can't get mad because I ignored it. And then it broke. When, when the car was like, hey, we're breaking. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> we're breaking here. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, right. So what words of, of advice do you have for someone that is just stuck in the rut? They think there's no way out of it and that they're just doomed to live this life. Oh, absolutely. So for me, man, like I know with everything that's going on in the world, there's people that experience hardships. There's people that experience all kinds of trials and tribulations and pain, but they have a choice. They have a, a chance to change everything that's transpired around them. All it takes is the decision. And all I want people to remember as far as your start don't determine your finish. That one chapter of your life that didn't go like you planned it out to be or like you expected it to be doesn't complete your story. You can always rewrite the narrative. And remember, just as a broken crayon, you still can color. You just got to see it from a different perspective, a different light and change your performance. You have that choice. You have that decision. You have that power. Take your power back and be the person that you're supposed to be and fulfill your requirement on this earth. And I love that take your power back because that's one of the big things I, I tell people like you, you have the power, you have it, but then you hand it over to someone else, what, whether it be society, whether it be your friends, 
whether it be your significant other, whether it be your job. Right. But it's like you have the power. Like in any group, I know this, this is going to sound super cocky, but in any, <laughs> in any group that I'm in, regardless of what my role is, everybody knows I'm a leader. Right. Like everybody knows. It's like I, I do my best to not step on the captain's toes. But, right. when, but when things are, go, are going on, people know I'm the one you can turn to. Right. But it's like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to we're gonna just get this done. Like it's with leaders. It's just it's natural. Like you were saying earlier, there's a difference between a leader and a manager. A huge, you know, big, huge difference. big difference. And once people realize you have that power now, not everyone's cut out, cut out to be a leader. Right. But everyone has the power to do it. Right. So it's just a matter of what do you want your life to look like? And what are you willing to do to get it? Sometimes, because yep. like there are great motivational speakers out there who are introverts, right? You know, and like getting the thought of getting up on stage or even on a virtual platform gives them butterflies. But they know in order to do this, this is what I have to do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's, I, I, everybody wants success. Everybody wants happiness. But there are some people out there that are willing to do everything that it takes in order to achieve that success and happiness. Compared to some people who just sit there and just like. Yeah, I want it, but I'm not willing to do what it takes to get it. Like me, I'm hungry. I want more, not only for me, but the people around me. I see people where they are and I see the greatness inside of them. And I want more for my family. I want to create a legacy. I want to be a generational wealth. I just don't want to sit here and leave this earth like, man, I didn't leave my kids anything. I don't want to sit here and be like just thinking about what I could have did compared to what I'm doing. So you have that opportunity. Everybody on this earth has that opportunity to change the aspect. That's only that's the reason why there's only a certain few people that are billionaires, millionaires, yeah. or got these big corporations and these jobs because they want some people are not willing to go through the grind. They're not willing to go through the hustle and do whatever it takes in order to get to that stage level where they see these people at. Or face their fears. Absolutely. And it's and, and dealing with fears. They're not worth it's not the fear of failing themselves, it's the fear of what people would think about them. Yes, exactly. Which I mean, and I guess in all of us, we that's something that we all have to deal with at some point, especially in this online space. Oh man. Because I do another show that's more debate style. So we we tackle like the controversial, like your critical race theory and your second amendment and, you know, abortion, all, all those things. Right. And it took me a year after I started this show to, to do that one, just because some people can be so nasty. And I was like, do I want to deal with that? But I found if you set expectations, like I said earlier, you'll, you'll attract the right crowd. Right. Because there are some people out there that just look look for clicks. So they'll just post the most controversial thing just so it goes viral. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I'm actually interested in having the actual discussion. You right. know, like, like around the Olympics time, you know, the big thing was the uh, the power lifter from New Zealand, the, the transgender male that was oh, yeah. well, transgender female, you know, competing with biological female. And we had a very good and productive conversation about that. Right. And, and so... So someone had used the words transphobic. I said, um, there is not one thing that was transphobic said in this in this episode. We were right. talk, we were talking about the science behind it. Is it fair for biological women? Right. You know, and it's like you know what are what are the IOC standards and hormone levels? And it's like we like we got deep into it right. without without it getting ugly. 
You know, right. so I always tell people like if if you're easily triggered, this is not the show. For you. <laughs> this is not not the show. It's like I welcome all opinions. You know, right. it's, it's like we don't have to agree on the topic. As, absolutely. But, but if you act like a two year old, you you're gonna be deleted, blocked, and banned. Right. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Because, yeah, because like we have to be able to have tough tough discussions. Right. Have to, man. It's just like that situation that's going on with Dave Chappelle. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, like that. Uh, how old are you? Uh, 42. All right. So you're old enough to remember Andrew Dice Clay? Yes. The Dice <laughs> and, Man. <laughs> and, and George Carlin. Yeah, absolutely. And Eddie Murphy and Richard Pryor. Like, they absolutely. would get destroyed nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> the, Twitter absolutely. Mob, the Twitter mob would be all over them. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you know, but, that, but that's all nonsense, too. I mean, it's, it's jokes. Yeah, you know that's I mean? it. It's, it's like, if you can't, if you can't joke about some, something that's, that's true... Because <laughs> I mean, a lot of a lot, I'm not gonna say everything. I didn't see his special, so th- this has nothing to do with his special. But right. a lot, a lot of the jokes, they're they're true, right? You know, and so funny is funny, right? But but one thing I do I do want to touch on before before our time is up is so I know I, I know I kind of asked you earlier, but mm-hmm. I just want to go a little little deeper into it. So growing up in a single parent household, you said in a not so great area. Right. And you know, you did turn to to some street life for a minute there. Right. You were able to get out of it. Right. And you're wildly successful now and you served our country. Right. Again, just just how does it make you feel when young black kids are told that they that they they just can't make it in life? Uh I'm never for for me uh, as far as how I feel when that when I hear that, I feel like um, that a lot of times we um, we get stere- stereotyped and, and put in these positions that we can only be athletes, we can only be um, musicians, like rappers and things like that. But that's not yeah. true, and it kind of makes me feel it makes me feel some type of way on the inside because we can be doctors, lawyers, we can be presidents, we can be. Uh, congressmen, we can be all these other things, man. Because yes, I, I always preach when I'm when I'm talking in schools about reverse engineering your college selection process. Okay. So so like so with my oldest son, it, it was easy because he was a fanatic. He's a fanatic about cars, so that was very easy. So it's like, all right. So you, you love cars, blah blah blah. So with my oldest daughter, it was more so she she wasn't quite sure. So so I, I said. Okay, I want you to get a notebook. So I want you to write down everything that makes you happy. Absolutely everything. Whether it's singing in the rain, whether it's listening to music, whether it's hiking, whether it's sports, like everything that puts a smile on your face, you write it down. And then, so now from that list, circle three things that you're the most passionate about. So then she circles the three. I said, so now if you could pick one group of people to work with, who would you want to work with? You know, so now she she grew up without her biological mom. Like she's okay. still she's still alive. She's just not in the picture. Got it. So so uh, so she's like, you know, I kind of want to work with other other girls who grew up with without their mom. You know, to maybe help them not feel what I feel. And I said, okay. So we jotted that that down. I was like, now what industries can allow you to work with those people doing these things? And then we started writing out out the industries out of all of those. Which one stands out to you? You know, and that that's how we picked her major because I, I believe the number is 70 percent 
you know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but 70% of people are in a field that has nothing to do with their degree. And True. They think it's because they're just rushing in. I told her, I said, we're not going to spend all this money for you to freaking soul search. <laughs> I, said, I said, we're going to figure out. Yeah, there are soul searchers out do. there. And like, there are and, soul searchers out there. Yeah, yes. so like, and, and it's okay to pivot. You know, I said, it's, it's okay to pivot. If you, if you, but if you if you know what you're passionate about, yeah. is you're just pivoting the lane. You know, so like what I do in the gym, and then when I started this podcast, my delivery is the same. Like if, if someone needs to lose or wants to lose 50 pounds, 20 pounds, there's a process. I just took that process and tailored it to business, to storytelling creation, to podcast creation. If someone wants to write a book or write a blog, this is the process. So like I didn't, I just changed the platforms. Yep. So you, yeah. Right. Right. So when, when, when the passion is there, Okay, so I want to be a blog. All right, maybe blogging isn't for me. All right, I'll try podcast. Uh, maybe podcasting. Maybe I'll be an author. You know, so it's like you, you're just changing which lane, but you're still in the same the same um, path. So, what's your thoughts? No, I, I I agree. I think I tell students, and maybe I fast forward a little bit uh, from this because um, the group of students I work with right now are actually students who have a bachelor's and master's, and they're working on their doctorate. Okay. <clears throat> but one of the questions that I ask them or one of the things that I say to them is as they're beginning to think about writing a dissertation, because when you say dissertation, it, it's almost mirrors in some respects, you know, a, a major and you trying to find it when you're not really sure. Mm. But what I say, and it's funny you say it, say it almost the same thing that I say. You've been listening to my conversations. I, I, can, <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> but I ask them, I say, don't think of this as a dissertation. Cause that's like too daunting and too big. And it's, you know, all these pages and all this research and everything else. I'm like, what's your passion project? What is it? What, what thing, what problem do you want to solve? Much like you said, what problem do you want to solve in the world? And when, and when you do that, you can almost hear the whoosh of like, wow. Okay. I'm making this, too big and too wonky and too complicated from what it is. It's just a simple, you know, that you're, I tell them that, listen, you're in the process of figuring out and finding out a specific expertise that people are going to get to know you by. Yes. So just, just, just think of it in that way. And so then you say, okay, well, I want to be an HR, but yeah, I want to be an HR, but I want to help um, black women under uh, into executive suite um, uh, uh, positions and you know figuring out what the developmental process is with the mentor and with you know structured things that they can do perfect yeah. and something for as complex as that sound is pretty simple but much in the same way much in the same fashion um, that same kind of thing is what i uh, attempt to do with with students as well is demystify it break it down in smaller biteable chunks so that they can understand it uh, and, and work with it and then put it into place. I typically tell students when they say if they're undecided, I say, no, 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 you're not undecided. You know you want to be something. You're undeclared with what that looks like. So you can be undeclared and that makes more sense, but not undecided because decided undecided means you made no decision. Yeah. Undeclared See, means you haven't chosen the lane, much yeah. like you said, to yeah. get into. See, and I think I think parents play, play a big role in that too. And, and I'm de definitely not blaming my dad because... He wasn't wrong. 
I, I just wasn't I just wasn't the right person because this was back. I graduated in 1992 and, okay. he, and he told me now he was an engineer. And so he told me, you want to get into computer engineering? And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> I was like, I want to be on TV. I said, that's me. I always saw myself being an actor, you know, which is why it's no surprise I'm doing this now. Like, I want to be in front of people, you know, doing what I do. Right. And so he's like, he's like, no, I'm telling you, he's like, no, this computer thing is going to explode. He's like, it's like you want to get in that industry. And so I signed up for it, but I mainly signed up for it because I was competing in track and I had Olympic aspirations. And then, so I ended up injuring my knee trying to qualify for the Olympic trials. And oh, then, wow. I got, then I got depressed because I'm taking all these classes that I have no interest in. Right. <laughs> and that was when I dropped out the first time. And then when I, when I went back, I said, all right, maybe I'll do physical ed- physical education. You know, I said I did a I did a semester and a half, and I was like, I don't want to do physical education, and so I I left again because I was like, I'm not going to continue doing this and paying for this, knowing I don't want to be in that field. Right. You know, and then the third time it was it was a, a financial thing because I was working now at this point, and so I needed to make money to pay for school. Sure. And then right when I paid, my car broke. And I think I was like maybe a good 25 minutes from where I worked. And here in Rhode Island, that's that's a long way because Rhode Island's okay. this big. I so, know. I've actually been to uh, Narragansett in uh, Newport. Oh, nice. Okay, nice. Yeah. Where, yeah. where, where bad are you? I'm in Cranston. Okay. I'm in the, mid, the middle of the state. Gotcha. But yeah, so I, I had to get that money back and buy a car because like I was managing restaurants it wasn't just like a you know like a 10 dollar an hour cook job so right right so right. i was like i need my car and then i was like maybe this is the universe telling me to just stop trying there's other ways for you to get it done yeah you know so all right give us some final words here wow um well thriving life coaching is a academic readiness and um coaching process that students go through to maximize their, their full potential. Uh, I've written a book about it. Uh, it's called Passing the Baton. It is a guided memoir of college success. Uh, it's a little bit of my story, but it's also from that of a practitioner and giving students tips and insight on themselves, but on really what it takes to be successful. Um, everyone is capable of creating their own legacy in one respect or another, but it starts with you. It's not, it's maybe with other people in mind, but it really starts with you and figuring out what that looks like and what that feels like. And, you know, clearly once you've hit your, your passion stride and passion lane, run with it, don't turn around. And, uh, you know, I, I tell students more often than not to not pay so much attention to the rear view mirror as they are looking out the windshield. So be more in, uh, more in tune with your present and your future than your past. Yes. Love it. Perfect. All right. And so can your book be, be found at your website here? Yes. can be found on the, uh, on the website and, at, uh, and on Amazon as well. But if you buy it from me, I will, uh, I'll sign it more than happy to. Nice. All right. And so for those that will be listening on the audio, it's Reginald, R-E-G-I-N-A-L-D, writer, R-Y-D-E-R.com. So check it out. Thank you very much for taking the time to share with us and, you know, learn the good good amount here. You know, we're both definitely on the same same wavelength. 
Definitely. And I, I actually haven't listened to any of your stuff, but just on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's, it's like I, I try to know as little about the guests as possible before the show. You know, that's just fine. To see, just to see what what comes up. <laughs> you know, fantastic, so. fantastic. Well, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, hey, if there's uh, bandwidth and capacity to do this again or some more, I'm more than happy to do so. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, don't don't check out yet. If, if you okay. have, have a few more minutes, because I just want to tell you some things off, off the air. Sure. All right. So I'll see you in a minute. All right. Thank you. All right. So that was Reginald dropping some knowledge about his experience and expertise working with students. So if any of that resonated with you, again, go to his site, reginaldwriter.com. Pick up his book. See what, see what he, he's all about. Schedule some time to have, have a, a conversation because you never know where it might lead. Remember, he had a conversation had a conversation with someone, and it completely changed his world just from put, putting it out there into the universe. So tomorrow, we have all-star panel number two, which I'm sure Reginald will be invited back to participate in. So we have Portia Booker, Mike Barker, Noble Gibbons, Carlika Menendez, Dr. Lona Cook, and Amber Furman. And we're going to be discussing how to prioritize yourself when everyone else needs you. So that's tomorrow at 12. It'll run between 60 and 75 minutes. I want to make sure all the speakers have ample time to talk. And then we'll be doing another one. I believe the next one is November 18th. And so I'm going to leave it there. So thank you very much for tuning in. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Take care. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Robert has over 20 years experience pouring his knowledge and expertise at many events in the service and fitness industry, as well as secondary schools and universities. He has a true passion for helping others break through the barriers that are holding them back. To book Robert B. Foster to speak or to reach out, go to robertbfoster.com. Next time. Shut up 